Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. We are talking sports today, and uh, there's approximately 1,700 players on the NFL roster today. Out of 7 billion people in the world, there's only 1,700 NFL players, and there's a, only 998 players ranked on the PGA Tour as of today out of all the people in the world. So we're talking to two people who have been able to experience life as a professional football player and a professional golfer today. We're, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Ted Schultz and Amos Martin, and we are hearing about some more stories about their career. So, Ted, uh, back to you. You uh, you were in the hunt in 92 at the Masters. Now, this is, uh, this is the first major. You had already played in two other Masters before that, and you're getting down to Sunday afternoon. Tell us what's, what's going on. Well, I'm on the eighth hole. I'm a couple under playing really well. I'm in probably the third to last group, maybe. Um, Couples is, I think, leading. and um, Fred Couples. Yep. And uh, I hit driver-driver on number eight. And my brother was up by the green ball, almost went in for a two. It went by the hole about 30 feet. And then I made this curling putt. And I just remember... Uh, for eagle. Yeah, for eagle. And then I just remember all the hair... I just it changed everything. My I got so excited, you know, the goosebumps and the crowd was yelling, and I just got this, you know, and I and my caddy says to me, he says, which he he gets on me now because he says to me, he says, now look, got a long way to go. We got to calm down a little bit now. And I said, heck with that. I said I'm going to enjoy this. Well, he tells me that of course you know I play two over the rest of the way and finish six. He looks at me today and says I'm going to enjoy this. You know? <laughs> so, but I was kind of hyper, you know, and, and and which I am. I'm kind of high strung, and so which is not great for a golfer, but somehow <laughs> I did some good. But um, because before but that, I, because before that, you had won two tur- two tournaments. Yep. And now you're you're in the hunt. You, you took the lead, right? In the lead after eight. Yep. On Sunday afternoon, yep. you you have got to be thinking. I mean, what's go, what are you thinking? I thought I was going to win. Every time I got in the hunt, something inside of me said you're going to win, and so I was still calm. But I was it was different than like the LA Open, and um, I always believed I was going to win when I was in the hunt. I didn't always win, but I always thought I would, and um, for, for whatever reason, you know. And and so, but I, that week it, it was just. I look at the ninth hole. I had a perfect drive and hit a really good second shot, and my putt kind of hung high. It didn't break as much. as It was a big breaking putt from right to left, and I left it maybe five feet above the hole and I had this really little tickler putt for par on nine. And you, if I'd have made that, I think I'd have, I'd have had a better chance. But I, I ran that. I missed it because I was just – when you you know on fast greens you got to have really good nerves and I, and I started pushing the putts a little because my nerves just weren't ready you know and I so I blocked the putt a little bit and it went by the hole six feet now I've got a six footer for bogey and it was uphill though so I made that but I shook it in and then and that that threw me I went from thinking you went I'm, from you went from eagle on eight yep. to that a, bogey, a bogey. Threw me, it did it threw me it threw me off and it it got me in more of a, a negative state I think. Uh, because I just you needed to part. I that. wasn't the same after that it, because of the way it happened. You know, it was it was it was a traumatic. Mm-hmm. The, um, but ha- you, having to make a bogey putt. Yeah. You know, so you had the lead after the eagle. I had the lead after the eagle, and then I gave it right back on nine, and then I uh, parred ten, then I bogeyed eleven. Then you missed part. a short putt on eleven, and uh, then you parred the rest of them. Yeah, I made a birdie and a bogey after that. A uh, three putt sixteen. So, so who won that year? Couple Fred Couples. That's Fred, the year his ball stayed on the bank. Remember, 
Yeah, on 12. I don't remember he, that. Part three, he wait, because you're not a golfer. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But Fred Couples won the Masters that year, and they always shave the bank on 12. So if you hit it mm-hmm. short, it goes in the water. Well, this year, for whatever reason, they didn't shave the bank. And he flew it in there, and his ball stayed. And he made, he made a par. If not, he was making double bogey. He didn't win. Wow. But anyway, that's so he, kind of the... He won. You ended up tying for... Sixth. You tying for sixth. Yep. Wow. That's still to finish in the top ten at the Masters has got to be. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a thrill. I was disappointed, but I was glad to be able to play back, go back the next year. Yeah, because you're in the top ten, so you get you get yep. be invited again the next year to yep. play at the Masters. Yep. Um, that that year, did you get did you go to all the majors? Uh, except the British, I, I didn't go over there. I didn't want to go all the way across. But I, you, you could have though. Yeah, for four years there, I played in every major except the British Open. Wow. Yeah. That's that's got to be <laughs> tense. <laughs> Exciting, yeah. I think it really riveting. Just the, the Masters is the one that was more nerve wracking than the other ones. U.S. Open was hard, but it wasn't as tough as a, the, as far as the condition was. Wow, different type of tough. Now we're going to talk. We're going to talk about um, after the Masters and and uh, because you won the L.A. Open. What year? Ninety one. In ninety one. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then you went back to uh, um, the, the the Senior Tour, and you won. Pebble Beach in 2010. Pebble Beach in 2010. Yep. That's phenomenal. We're going to come back to Amos. Um, Amos, because uh, you, I mean, you play a little golf. Yes. But it's equipment stuff. That's all it is. My swing is so good, I just got bad tools. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, Amos, what uh, what's going through your mind? Uh, let me back up. Before the Super Bowl question, you, you recovered a you caused a fumble and recovered a fumble and ran for a touchdown. I didn't. I didn't cause the fumble. I was coming down. It was punt return, and the guy the ball bounced, and uh, and then I was right there and picked it up and took it in for a score. And on that particular game, my sister, who hadn't seen any of my ball games before, just happened. It was up in uh, Milwaukee playing the Packers, and she just happened to be in the stands. She's got to be going crazy. She's going crazy and. And they That's almost cool. killed her. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a film? Do you have a film of that? Do you have it on film? No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't have any archive stuff of that. <laughs> I have some cool. others, but I don't have that one. <laughs> so the Vikings and the Packers—that's the biggest game of the year against crosstown rivals. I guess you could say crosstown inter, interstate. It was rivalry. pretty much so. It was pretty much the whole that whole division with yeah. Detroit and the Bears. So, you know, all those games were big. The Packers had been dominant in the previous years and uh so they were really the the main dogs they were sort of down and during uh during our reign there that we got to the super bowl but uh it was always big game tell us the the best running back you've had to you've had to tackle uh well when you say the best running back there's a couple of guys is walter payton was obviously the, the shifty the sweetness the, the sweetness but he was he was strong and he was uh his in and he had power and uh, he was obviously tough, but Larry Zonk was the other one. Now he was just main power <laughs> and look out because <laughs> he wanted to run over you and step on your face. <laughs> well, Zonka was uh, for the Dolphins. I mean, that was the perfect season. They 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 never lost. Uh, I don't think that perfect. I don't think that was the year that they they beat us in the first Super Bowl in '73 and beat us pretty bad. And uh, I don't think that was the perfect season. I think it was either the one 
Uh, I think it was maybe the one before that. I don't believe that was the perfect season. So uh, mm-hmm. Larry Zonka, one of the greatest you've ever had to tackle, and Walter Payton. Correct. And great quarterbacks, too. You know, we played with Fran. He was, you know, just watching him day to day in practice and stuff. Some of the great things that he did, but you know, uh, Stallback and Bradshaw, those were, were those were big guys, and uh, so some really great athletes during that era. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, he played the Steelers. So that was the Steel Curtain days, right? Yeah, it was Steel Curtain days. We lost to them in the Super Bowl too. <laughs> <laughs> but, still got a ring. Though, that's right? right. That's still, right. We got the rings, and uh, but it was you know that was the only game that was really close, and then we played Oakland and the third one and both of them are all blowouts our offense just never performed and when you just can't keep giving the ball back to good offenses like they had in those days wow that's mm-hmm. incredible said yeah. the linebacker right the linebacker yeah. our offense yeah. just did not perform well <laughs> <laughs> hey so amos tell us about um uh, t- tell us about uh, a couple interceptions. You, you had several interceptions. Correct. In fact, I had. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day. I had Staubach. I intercepted one of his passes. Really? Jim Plunkett. Do you remember him? Yeah. yeah. Or, he was old Stanford. Yeah. yeah. He played for. Uh, he was playing for New England at the time. And uh, the other one was uh, Houston Oiler Dan Pastorini. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I remember that one. I, and man, I caught that ball. That was so sweet. Cut in front of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I cut in front of that guy, and man, I was headed for the end zone, and I and Pastorini came over, and I. Straight armed him, gave him one in the face, and man, he went down. And I was on the way. Fair running back caught me from behind. <laughs> so you intercepted him, and you you added insult to the injury to the insult by stiff arm. Oh, right? yeah, oh yeah, yeah, just shamed him, shamed him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You had you had a total of uh, so you had one fumble recovery in in for a touchdown. You had three interceptions. Right, right. Three interceptions. I had one other interceptions against. Uh, it was in uh, uh, Stabler against it. It was. It was actually an exhibition game. The uh, snake. For, yeah, Ken's- the snake. That's right. Yeah, I got him too. <laughs> <laughs> is, snake the snake. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, so, so um, w- tell us about most embarrassing moment in the NFL for you, hmm. or may- maybe not the most embarrassing. But you know, uh, where you totally blew it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you can probably air. ask the coaches as they look back on the film. Did you see that, Amos? They run that back again, bing, 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 and keep just running back <laughs> your mistakes. Uh, shoot, that's, uh, um, you know, where there was a missed tackle or a missed assignment. I mean, there's, you know, everything, you know, and I, I'm coaching these days, too, and I always tell the kids, look, you know, that's that's behind you, whatever it is. So I try not to remember those things, <laughs> whatever it is. Forget about the past. Let's go on with the future. Uh, one interesting story, though, is uh, when we played at uh, the Met Stadium there is we came out there one day and, you know, the Met Stadium was a combination baseball field at the time. And uh, so the grass was always dead, you know, because they put the grass on you yeah. and it would be all torn up. And I said, man, I can't we're gonna go out there and there's gonna be in that dirt and i went out there and it was all green i said man this is looking good and i saw this guy pushing this thing it was like a heater except for and it was spraying green paint Paint. they painted that field (laughs) (laughs) had green paint all over my pants (laughs) Uh, no no real grass just paint the dirt that's right oh my goodness (laughs) we're gonna have to take a break my goodness we're gonna take a break our final break we're gonna come back for one more segment we talked a lot of Sports. We're also going to talk about uh, things bigger than sports. And I know people are listening and think, how could you possibly be bigger than the Masters and the Super Bowl? Well, those things fade and go away, but the mo- most important things that happen in these men's lives will never fade away. So we'll talk a little bit more about life after sports and uh, hear more from our, our guest, Ted Schultz and Amos Martin, on Solid Steps Radio. 
Welcome back to our fourth and final segment with uh, Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell here, co-host with Kurt Souter over there at Further Still Ministries. We're in the studio today with Ted Schultz and Amos Martin, two uh, professional athletes. One played in the NFL for a number of years and played in three Super Bowls. Got the hardware to prove it. And uh, Ted Schultz played in the PGA and is a PGA Tour winner and led the Masters for Half a hole in 1992. But you know what? All of those moments are great memories. Yeah, they're they're, they're great memories, but there's some things that last forever. Uh, Sporting events are great, but eternity is a a lot lot bigger and a lot better. Yeah, and and, you know what I'm so – I love you guys. Both of you guys (laughs) are awesome, awesome men that I love and respect and admire and appreciate and – and Amos, you're building a new home for me right now. It's just a you better say a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but both of you, in in just being incredibly successful in in the college level and at the pro level, um, there's something bigger in your hearts, bigger than a Super Bowl, bigger than than, than winning a, you know PGA tournament and winning them you know winning the Masters. Ted, you you really surrendered your heart to Jesus back in what year? 1987. 1987. Yeah. And really, it was through your wife, Diane. It was, yep. Talk about that just a little bit. Uh, just, uh, we were on the tour, and things weren't going so well, and um, struggling, and um, only been married a couple of years, and she didn't grow up Christian, and she would go to the Bible studies with the girls, and they invite her. And the she, wives? The wives, Yep. And uh, during the afternoons, and then she invited me to want to go on Wednesday nights with the group, with everybody, and I was very reluctant. We called them the God Squad, and <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to be identified with, with that group, right? So I didn't go for a while, and then I saw a change in her life, though, as she, you know, she was being nicer to me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so uh, we started going, and I, you know, because I'd grown up with some faith, and I, and I uh, could resonate with what the teaching was, and I did believe that. I just... Uh, Made a commitment and haven't looked back. It's been the most important thing, and and, and it has. It has. You, you, absolutely. As we have talked over the years, it I, I can see Christ in you and your love for Jesus, and that's that's a powerful thing. It hasn't always gone perfectly, and uh, we're going to talk just a little bit in a moment how how you've had to struggle with health and injuries and that kind of thing. But Amos, you also, uh, Ted, just similar to uh, God using a Bible study in the middle of the professional life, you, you encountered Christ. Same thing with chapel services. After my first year in the pros, which I figured if once I become a professional athlete with certain amount of fame and success, glory, that everything would be pristine. And it was, uh, there was so much missing and I couldn't figure it out. And God sort of called me through some of the other players to go to the chapel service and get some questions asked about what I had doubts about my faith and and next thing I know is accepted the Lord at a chapel service in Oakland, California. In fact, that that time I intercepted his table was pants. I think that was the reason. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my life to the Lord and it's intercepted a pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, but um, I never will forget it. That was and that was um, you know the life changing moment right then that uh, everything the whole perspective changed. And 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 really since then, Amos, God's used you to speak into a lives of a lot of young people. Um, to be people who pursue the Lord, be people who turn to the Bible and uh, and seek seek him. Yeah, I've been uh, blessed. Uh, you know, I've coached uh, middle school football, and I feel like that's where God's called me to witness to those young men and be with those young men. And um, 
uh, it's such a, a such a great age in middle school and that 12, 13, 14 age and that so much is of what that's ahead of them, not only in athletics, but also with the Lord. And um, so that's been a, a special and in, in speaking for the Lord or where I can speak at FCA. That's basically the chapel service that sponsored the one that it led me to the Lord in Oakland. And uh, anytime I can speak for them and, and, you know, tell the importance of it's not about the fame and the success and the glory. It's about it's about Jesus. And uh, I, I love how you really challenge men. Just just give him five minutes. Mm-hmm. Open your Bible and spend five minutes a day in prayer and reading God's Word. Absolutely. As, as you know, all of us here in this room, even now, and the, the guys that are listening is, you know, we all become successful and we all get busy with life. And the first one we neglect is God. <laughs> we always sort of get ahead of the game and you know, I always call myself a front running Christian. You know that uh, as long as things are going good, Lord, is yeah, I'm, I'm out there and then I forget about you. And uh, But we have to spend time with him. We have to spend time with him every day. And it doesn't make any difference if it's a little small booklet, if it's a little small prayer. Something that you are going to make time for God is, you know, every day we get up, we have a choice. We can start with God or we can start with the world. We can conform to the world, or we can transform by the renewing of our mind. Mm, that's uh, that's good stuff. I think you could almost be preacher, Amos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but Amos, you, mm. as you came to know the Lord out in Oakland w- with the Vikings, um, there's you've had difficulties. You had to get you you had severe injury and had to you know tell us about that. Yeah, I thought th- the whole pl- pl- plan was coming together. You know, I got traded to Seattle, which that was great because the coach who had been with Minnesota had traded for me, and I was ready to go start the game. Went down on a punt return, knee blew out, out for the rest of the season. Next season came back, knee wasn't responding. They weren't playing me in the exhibition games, and I never will forget it. I went to Norm Evans. Uh, he was an All Pro for Miami. He'd been traded to Seattle when we sat and talked and I told him all these things I can do and he said Amos you forgot one thing what's that trust God trust God I never will forget that and uh, we prayed and uh, the scripture in Philippians about don't be anxious about anything and the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and I remember leaving that that day and that peace was there and I knew I said I'm going to work hard and I'm going to work as hard but football was over and uh, praise the Lord that he had um a building business that had been established. I was going to wait around for a few games, see if I got picked up. I hadn't played in the exhibition game, so nobody wanted me. So I went on and started building homes, and and uh, God has blessed me to build a lot of houses and developments, and uh, just uh, just a lot of great things that have happened. And and there's been trials through that time, but I still look back at that day, and even some of those trials since then that I look at that same scripture in, in Proverbs: trust in the Lord. Lean not into your own understanding. We're not going to be able to understand it. We're not going to be able to figure it out. But we can trust God. Trust God. Mm, that is good, Ted. Mm. You, you when you after you trusted the Lord, uh, you had success. You won the L- Southern Open, L.A. Open. You, you got you know, finished in the top ten in the Masters, and then it wasn't all great. Yep, I. Uh Switch clubs, and it was the clubs, Amos. There you go, equipment. <laughs> equipment every time. I know I got some bad tools. <laughs> and so I lost my, my card and, and, and my status, and uh, so I wasn't playing as much, and I lost my confidence during that time. And um, and then, you know, so I did that for five years or so, just trying to, you know, get it back, but never really came back. So then I took a job teaching and uh, at the Cardinal Club there and uh, did that for a while, and you know, it, it was good for me, and 
But um, but the last few years, you you've had some significant injury yeah. health health issues. Yeah, I you know I got on the senior tour, which was kind of a redemption for me with my g- golf game because I'd really felt like quitting because I'd playing so I was playing so bad, and it didn't it wasn't hard for me at all to go teach and, and get away from it and uh, so I um, the Pebble Beach thing really was good for me and then I got hurt hurt my shoulder and I've had some stomach stuff and then I had a bike rack and. So the last three years have been hard, a lot of sitting around, idle time, and um, just, you know, reflecting and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And um, it's just been hard, been difficult, you know, trying to understand what God's going to teach me through it. And, you know, I I think as an athlete, you struggle with identity as a a person or a job or anybody, not just an athlete, but it's like, you know, we need to understand that the money, fame, prestige, and power isn't going to bring us love, joy, peace, and patience. You know, you're not going to get the fruit from that. And you're only going to get it from God. And um, so um, that's kind of been my struggle. And, so, and every day is a little different. And I'm, and I'm like Amos is saying, you got to trust. And it's hard to do, though, because you, there's a battle. You have the battle of the flesh and the spirit every day. And, you know, the flesh is weak. And, and, we, and we, we live in a we live in a broken world, right. and, and things aren't. We we don't win every Super Bowl, and we don't win every right. tournament. Mm-hmm. And there's negative things that happen. And what I love and appreciate about both of you guys is that you continue to wait on the Lord, trust in Him, and seek Him and walk with Him. We don't really have a choice. No, we don't. You know, because it's wh- true. Whether you're a pro athlete or whether you're you know selling real estate or whether you're a pastor or whatever we the what god calls us to is to walk with him and uh we are our time is out it has been a fantastic hour Uh, (laughs) thanks guys both for coming in and just sharing your heart would you both please uh would you just share a a quick prayer for our men as they uh, our listeners please pray ted why don't you start out okay then amos um dear lord we're grateful for today and for kurt and in this uh chad in this ministry and we just pray that um, that lives will be touched today and that um, everybody out there um, that's listening today, that they could understand that our identity is in Christ. Um, you know, we've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer that I that live, but Christ that lives in me. If we can live by that and understand that our identity comes from from him and not from the world, not from the stuff, not from the accomplishments. Um, and um, we can do that and identify with him and then we should have love and joy and peace in our heart and the fruit would dominate our life and that's my prayer every day that I could live in the fruit and be a blessing to someone and um, and you know submit to God resist the devil and he will flee Mm. Lord uh, I just know there's guys out there listening right now that have been saying you know I'm maybe need to make a decision for Jesus and you're thinking I've got to change this and I've got to do this and I've got to you know I'm not living right and you know all that God wants he doesn't want a thing he doesn't want you to change a thing he just wants you where you are he wants your heart right now and he's calling to say look I want Jesus to come into my life. He'll take care of the rest of it. There's nothing left. And for those other people out there who who don't know God's word, you need to spend time in God's word. It's living and it's active and and it it penetrates and it judges our hearts and just so spend a little time with the Lord and get to know his word and whatever way it is that you find whatever Bible it is that you can understand that you can read, but be there with it and let him come alive in you. And we just give you all the glory in your name, Lord.
Amen. Mm. Amen. And we are going to take, actually, the guys don't know this, we're going to have a bonus segment. We're going to have a bonus segment for our podcast. So if you want to hear even more from these guys, we're going to stay around for a few more minutes, talk a few more minutes. But if you want to hear that, go to our uh, soundcloud.com or go to iTunes and type in Solid Steps Radio. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. With every step I take.